From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Actually, it's uh, afternoon. Uh, this is a Thursday afternoon taping of this podcast. Uh, got a lot going on Friday morning, so we're going to go ahead and tape this Thursday afternoon, uh, and but put it out still, normal time on Friday morning. So if you're listening and you're wondering where your Thursday night basketball scores are, they will be on Tuesday show. That sounds exactly right, Derek. And uh, you will be visiting the uh, official dentist of the UTW podcast, the uh, DeSoto family. You will be uh, getting a chance to take advantage of the DFDC difference, correct? That's that correct. I have a very early uh, dentist appointment. I'm hoping my teeth still are clean by 8 a.m. when I have to show up for that. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to see Jason and Bryant visiting with them in the office. And just, uh, you know, again, they do wonderful work. You'll hear about them shortly. Uh, but uh, I do have that and a couple other things going on both tonight and tomorrow. So I appreciate you allowing me to tape a little early today. My pleasure, Derek. Uh, you know, I mean, if you, if you can't work together, it's a good partnership. You know, people ask us all the time, do you do we really like each other? And I'm like, 20 years later, <laughs> we're still pretty good friends and talk twice a day. You know, there's times, like, there's days I talk to you more than I talk to my wife. Uh, that may be true. Yeah, I can see that. I, oh, I know it's also true for mine. Well, glad to show up early to the UTW podcast, Derek. Not a problem uh, coming in this uh, Thursday afternoon to try and get a jump on things. And if you're looking to get a jump on the DeSoto County real estate market, please consider reaching out to our 2021 presenting sponsor. I'm speaking about Brian Couch and Terry Thomas of Team Couch, a Birch Realty Group. Team Couch possesses over 65 years of combined real estate experience. They have over 25,000 closings since 2009. They are the number one ranked team in DeSoto County when it comes to residential real estate. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available anytime you need them. They are currently offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. Again, that's a free, no-obligation market analysis. Give them your address. They can tell you all about your neighborhood. They can tell you all about your street. They can tell you about your zip code, how long houses around you are staying on the market, how fast they're closing. Nobody possesses more information than Brian and Terry at Team Couch or Birch Realty Group. Give them a call at 449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. They're the number one real estate team in DeSoto County, and we are so glad that they are our 2021 presenting sponsor. Well, Derek, this weekend, definitely not the best time to get outside and uh, barbecue in your backyard. But if that's something you're wanting to get better at, that's something that you're wanting to do more of, you need to visit our 2021 studio sponsor. I'm speaking about the How to Barbecue Right Shop, located right here in Hernando at 496 Whitfield Drive. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or some of the coolest high-end smokers on the market, Malcolm's Shop is your place. Give them a call at 912-9947. That's 912-9947. Look them up on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Visit his website, howtobbqright.com. That's howtobbqright.com. But the best thing to do is to visit right now before Christmas at 496 Whitfield Drive, our 2021 studio sponsor, the How to Barbecue Right Shop. Thank you, Malcolm and Rochelle, for being our 2021 studio sponsor. 
Well, Derek, before we recorded our show here on this uh, Thursday afternoon, had an opportunity to visit with Alderwoman Lynch a few moments ago. Most people that uh, listen to our show know that Natalie does bookkeeping, and Natalie has been working with me for quite a while uh, on my books, and I really, really appreciate her on that, and also certainly appreciate her being uh, serving the city as, as an Alderwoman. So we visited a little bit about uh, the Alderwoman meeting on Tuesday, but why don't you go ahead and tell the UTW Podcast listeners all about the Tuesday meeting. The request to vacate the recorded plat of the Fidelity Commercial Subdivision this should have been done years ago. This is actually the Carlisle subdivision, the Carlisle commercial subdivision. And it was uh, at the time, but they thought they moved it over. They thought everything was moved over. This was not moved over and given up at that time. So it was just kind of a cleaning up of the books. Uh, the reason I mentioned it, though, is because this is the first thing I believe I've seen the new planning director, Kendra Scott, actually made okay. the presentation for the yes. city. So it was very good. She did a very good job. Uh, enjoyed seeing her up there and, and look for her, hopefully for years to come, to be uh, in that role doing that. Going down, the uh, there was uh, authorized the fire department to purchase 12 SCBAs, 12 SCBA bottles, and 12 face pieces. Uh, this is for a new fireman coming in and, and to replace some. Total cost of that was uh, $89,000, and it was already in the budget, so nothing nothing really to, I mean, they approved it, of course, but it was already in the budget. But uh, Andrew Miller brought up a good point in saying that from now on, anytime that, even if it's in the budget, to go ahead and put the price it just, you know, it prevents people to have an ask how much that costs. So sure. going forward, you should always see the dollar amounts uh, in those requests, even if it's a within budget. Um, skipping on down, uh, the next one was the approval to hire Neil Schaefer for the engineering professional services necessary and in the best interest for the Oak Grove and 51 uh, Road project. There was some interesting discussion on this because uh, when they uh, Neil Schaefer came up and started presenting it, of course, the $250,000 was already approved to the city that Mike McLennan was able to secure uh, during the, the legislature last year, that they do have three years to spend it. So this has to be something that has to be done within the next three years. Uh, but they st- the state, uh, Highway 51 is a state road, the state wants a roundabout. Okay. Not a stoplight. Okay. And so there was a lot of concern. Um, and I know Andrew Miller, a couple other ones said, hey, uh, I didn't think that roundabouts are very safe. I don't know. If they, I'm not agree with that. Is there? And they said, look, this is a state road. Uh, they don't, you know, they're no Schaefer's hired to do the, the study. Part of that 250000 we'll go to pay them to do their uh, analysis, do their traffic counts, do all that kind of stuff. And then they will present it to the state. The city is welcome to give their input as to, hey, we would really prefer a stoplight here. But it's the state decision. If it comes in that a roundabout is more feasible, if a roundabout is cheaper, uh, if it can be done, then we more than we, we would have a roundabout at 51 and Oak Grove, not a stoplight, unless it comes back saying, no, 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 the traffic count is such, or the way the hill, you know, there's a couple of hills, one going up from Oak Grove, one coming down, you know, going south to north on 51, there's a, a pretty steep downhill. Uh, so there may be some issues there that does make it have a stoplight, but right now the state is going into it, looking at it for a roundabout. Correct me. If I'm wrong, but a roundabout is also supposed to be happening at Green Tea in 51. That is right. That's correct. That's another one they're looking. And I think he actually mentioned that they're already looking at one up the road, which would have been Green Tea in 51. He didn't specifically say that in the meeting, but he did mention there was one up the road. But something's going to be happening at that intersection in the next 12 to 18 months. Yes. And again, we have three years to spend that 250. And then if the other 750 that Senator McClendon is trying to get is – you know, allocated to us, I'm sure that that would uh, then start another clock for that 750 to be spent uh, in the next three years. So, you know, hopefully 
again, maybe school year 2024, uh, we'd be having the roundabout and or stoplight at that intersection. But when it's all said and done, the state's going to tell us what to do. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next is the approval to go to bid for the city depository with a two or a four-year option. The city clerk was like, look, we do now have the ability through the state to go up to four years, and it'd be really nice not to have to switch banks every two years. Of course. Uh, But they are putting it out for two and four-year bids because... Not a lot of banks want it to be locked up for four years. Not because, you know, they want to be able to, to reprice it, relook at it. You know, right now, um, you know, with so many deposits, banks are probably going to shoot very low rates for the city. So, they, you know, the bank, the, at this time, the city may want a two-year, hopefully that it goes up in two years, and they're not stuck getting paid, a, you know, a really low amount for the next four years. What bank do they, are they with now? Bank Horse South. They're with Bank Horse South. Yep. Okay. Typically, Derek, is it... The banks should banks be a certain size that to be able, like a larger bank like Bank Corp South can they have more of the uh, do they have more of a capability than a smaller bank to give more concessions? Not, not and stuff? A, well, I mean, may you know uh, it's all based on income. So gotcha. I mean, maybe they could, maybe they couldn't. But I think that you know right now there's no specialty in doing a and a bidding for a checking account. Or, okay, and and so I think it would be pretty simple. They'll put it out to I mean they'll put it out. They'll publish it. Thirty days to publish to get the bids in. And I think that you're looking at you know I think there's around ten banks in Hernando. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how many actually bid. Uh, it does done a sealed bid process. You go up there. They announce when they're going to open it. They open it up and read the winner. Sure. Um, and then the winner is then presented to the board. Now if sometimes the the quotes are really close. If there's like one person's paying a higher rate but charging fees, another one has a lower rate but not charging fees, right. there may be a discussion to have. So usually there is a, 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 I guess, an overall set winner that's pretty easy. But if in case that there are, sometimes they'll say, hey, we think the second one's the best. And the you know, because it's not just the lowest, it's lowest and best. Right. So are you telling me that the number of deposits is the reason no one's been bidding on my checking account? <laughs> Is, is that the I would situation? say yes. I would okay. say, yeah. and my, phone and is, my phone is not wrong in a number of years <laughs> when it comes to my checking account. There were two more items. There was actually, my, Matt, one item added uh, before the final item that took about 30 minutes. The, the one that was added was walking improvements for the tunnel. Now, this yes. was not on the original yes. agenda. Several aldermen had come up and talking about how just damp and wet and dark the tunnel is. And they've been looking at this for years. The city, um, this is interesting, is that the city adopted the exit at 51 mm-hmm. and Commerce and adopted the tunnel from MDOT. Now, you don't, a city is not required to do that, but if you don't do that, like the exit, the exit that we have here, um, the state only has to cut it twice a year. Well, we want a nicer exit. We want people. Our sign. We have a beautiful sign there. So we actually adopted it. So we do maintain that grass cutting. You know, several more times a year than just twice. Uh, well, we also adopted the tunnel. So allow our the children that we, we were they were able to put the stakes in or the uh, poles in. So cars and buses could no, no longer travel through there. And so it became pedestrian only. Well, the city did that when they adopted it. They still have not corrected the water, the flowage yep. issues. Now, so they're looking to do that. They've talked about this several times. And Andrew Miller made a big push on Tuesday night to say, hey, look, we need to put five inches of asphalt mounted at the top have so it can the, the water can drain off of it and give these kids and parents a, a place to be able to walk through dry. Um, and so there was a lot of discussion on that. He really he said, I want this done over Christmas break. I want it done yeah. now. Well, there's some, you know, th- there was a good point brought uh, by one of the engineers. I think the city engineers said, hey, look, you know, remember, though, this is 
Also, the tunnel serves two purposes. It used to be traffic, but also um, it serves as a water drain. Like it, it drains the water. And so it, it does, you know, it takes the water from once, you know, a higher, higher elevation to a lower elevation to get it into the system. And, you know, so it still has to be allowed to do that. And, and Andrew said, I understand. We just need to get it out of the middle, raise it up a little bit, and just have it come down the sides. So there was a lot of discussion. Uh, ben Piper brought up, hey, well, if we're going to do that, let's do it in concrete because concrete is going to last, you know, decades longer. We don't have to re- patch it or replace it. You know, we know water is going to be going on the side of it, eating into it, you know, every every time it rains. So we may want something stronger than just asphalt. Beth uh, Rawls said something about putting a metal, a raised metal platform, kind of like a little mini bridge all the way across. So there are several ideas about how to correct this. They all agree that something must be done. And, you know, because the asphalt plant shuts down, you know, first of January, they would only have about two or three more weeks to get this done in order before that shut down if they went that route. So what they decided to do was have the city engineer look at it and by next meeting, bring them a recommendation and the cost to get this done. And the next meeting, of course, December 21st. And so by the 21st, they want to be able to have something in place or be able to vote on something to get it done, hopefully over Christmas break. So when the, the, the children come back to school on the 4th, that they would have something to walk to and from, you know, and stay dry. And then after that, they'll start working on lighting and other issues underneath the uh, tunnel. There's a number of uh, UTW podcast listeners that may not necessarily know what we're speaking of. It's simply the tunnel between Hernando Middle and High School and Hernando Elementary right there, that tunnel. And this is something we talked about probably five, six years ago when it came to the crew of Fernando. I mentioned uh, my daughter wanted to go um, run through the tunnel. You know, my Mm six-year-old had wanted to go, and I took her about two years ago. She really wanted to see what it was. And, um, that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a scary place. So we need to get it cleaned up water wise, get it safe, get it lighted, get it painted, painted the whole right. deal. So right. just that's, I love the idea. Uh, I'm all in on that. So uh, I really, really think it's time that we did that. So good job for, uh, Andrew to uh, be, be bringing that up. And uh, hopefully we can have some answers in the next two weeks and see if we can't get something done. Maybe first of the year. Completely agree. Uh, the next thing they looked at, and we're, I'm going to, kind of say it now, but we're going to talk about this after uh, the, the last item we had on the agenda. There was an approval by Mayor Johnson to sign the Memorandum of Understanding with the State of Mississippi and a resolution to participate in the opioid litigation. And we'll talk about what that means here just after the Alderman discussion. Uh, the final thing that we had is the um, noise ordinance. Now, this was, We knew this was going to be the biggest thing. This literally was half the meeting discussing this. This was put on the agenda by the, the owner of Uncle Bubba's, uh, the, both the bookkeeper and the owner uh, himself were there at the meeting Tuesday night. And the bookkeeper came up and said, look, Uncle Bubba's is losing twelve dollars to $15,000 a weekend because of the new noise ordinance. Under the current ordinance, they had to shut down at 10 uh, and they had to bring all their music inside and not to, have the, uh, to affect the noise level. Because they have to bring it inside, obviously they have to take tables out to put the band inside. Uh, and then they also, they were able to sit more outside and even if the band was there, they, they never wore seats where the band was. So they were able to put the band in, have their normal seating, even take it out into the AstroTurf area, plus have the indoor seating. That's where there's money lost. Also, um, they, ha- they stopped having bands on Tuesday nights, which was another issue that caused them to lose revenue. So they're losing twelve to $15,000 a weekend. They said, look, you know, three or four more months like this, we're shut down. Like we cannot survive losing twelve to $15,000 a weekend. Uh, they said that they did receive their first citation Mm -hmm. uh it was not given as a warning it was straight to the ticket 
which should not have been done. Uh, she was actually going to court the next day, so right. yesterday on Wednesday, to uh, talk about it. Um, the uh, mayor uh, said that that should not that that was incorrect. There should have been a warning given. Uh, there was you know she talked about how the officer was rude and you know there was the chief responded a little bit. I'm not going to go on to that. You can watch it if you want to. But uh, needless to say, she was given a ticket, not a warning on the first one. Nobody disputed that it was done incorrectly, and so there would be some training on that. The decibel level that she was read that got her, you know, that she was told it was 83. So again, she was talking about how, you know, we have to have some leeway. We have to have it raised a little bit. There's no way, you know, when my band's inside and you've got somebody sitting on their corner of their porch, constantly recording it and then, you know, coming up. And then every time the band's even playing, they get a phone call. He said, now she said, we've been given one citation, but the police have been there every time that we've had a band. All of our bands have been inside. Every time we've had one, they've been called, and we've been you know, asked. You know, they, a complaint has been made, and they said that usually the cops come, and they say, hey, um, we just have to be here because we were called. Right. It sounds fine to us, and leave. So other than the first time, uh, they have not issued anything else because it was you know, they, the cop, the, the uh, policeman said, hey, this is how it's been, it's been doing correctly. So the bookkeeper then requested to have it raised to 85 decibel levels. And as I said, currently, when it was put into law at 10 p.m. was the cutoff times for Fridays and Saturdays. Several of the aldermen said we did not realize it was 10. Correct. There were so many. Uh, I, I remember them saying 11 o'clock was the way it was. Yeah, 11 o'clock. And the, but there were so many different uh, requests made, like uh, this right. one, this one, what's on this. And so the one that actually was adopted had 10, not 11. And so they had to go in there and, and make that adjustment. So that was taken into consideration. Then uh, Terry Taylor, who said that uh, you know he's the owner of there, he came up there and said, look, I'm down 70 to 75 reservations uh, due to not being able to sit outside. So he went into the fact that, yes, I did lose tables. I lost reservations that I can do. Now, for the homeowner side, um, Austin Wilson, related to Dale Wilson, who owns the buildings uh, right behind Uncle Bubbles that people uh, rent and lease from them, he came there and said, look, you know, this is the first time that they've been able to have their grandkids older to babysit, they're able to sleep at night, that the ordinance was a great thing, that, um, you know, we hope that you look to keep it in place because there's been, you know, a Everybody has more sane. They're not having to put earplugs in their ears to go to sleep anymore. So that, you know, he doesn't think anything should change. And second of all, it's only been in effect 48 days. You know, if you set a precedent that you're going to change something after 48 days, then, you know, every time you put a new code or something in the enforcement, people are going to be challenging all the time, seeing if they can get it reduced. And d- does the board really want that? So that's kind of the, both sides of it came up there, gave their case. Alderman discussed it for a while. The 11 o'clock issue seemed to be something that, no, no, that's what we really wanted. There was some discussion about 75 or 85. Chad Wicker made a motion to leave it as is. He said, I want to leave it as is, 75 and 10 o'clock. Bruce Robinson seconded it. It went to vote and was uh, that motion was denied five to two. Chad and Bruce voted for it. Everybody else voted against it to leave it as is. Beth Ross then made a uh, motion to increase it to 11 p.m. and try to do studies to see about what can we do. Let's let's get it from all four corners. Let's spend some time studying it, seeing how we can, um, you know, what does 75 sound like? What does 85 sound like? What really needs to be the real number? Because she was saying, hey, look, there's going to be some 51 traffic that I think I think traffic on a 65 miles an hour, which Again, 51 is, is not much, you know, much slower than that. But at 65, it's, it's like already up to 60 or 65 decibels. So if, you know, what if that traffic plus the band could push it over 75, not really at the fault of the band. So there's a lot of discussion. She made the motion again, 11 p.m., move it to 11 p.m. and also start the studying to see uh, and get this implemented. And so there was a vote on that. It was passed five to two. 
same vote, uh, same people voted for it. So Bruce and Chad voted to keep it at 10 again. Everybody else voted to move it to 11 and to start the study. Immediately when that was done, Andrew Miller made another motion saying that the, he made a motion to, to do the studies, and, but no other changes until April. So in other words, we're going to study it until April. So not, we're not going to have this the next meeting. We're not going to have it in February. We're going to give it about three and a half, four months to study it. He said, so by the time, it's going to take 30 days for the 11 o'clock to go into effect. Same reason last time you have to have the public notice. Okay. And then once that goes into effect, then about another three months before it hits April, three to four months. And then they'll look at it again based on the data. So in the meantime, the city is going to be pulling, kind of taking measurements from each one, different times of the day, you know, different areas, go to different businesses. If there's an outside party or a wedding, they're going to go there maybe take a reading this just trying to get readings from throughout the city to see what the i guess accepted level should be and report back and then they'll look at it again in april now beth ross thought that was too long she said no i mean like we could have studies in 30 to 60 days uh, so he made the motion there was a second and they voted on it and it passed five to two to again 11 o'clock's fine do the studies fine however no other changes until april that passed five to two with beth ross and uh doc harris voting against it and everybody else voting for it. So the noise ordinance uh, will increase to 11 in the next 30 days. Correct. At the 30 day mark, it increases to 11 and then uh, they just won't, they'll keep studying. No changing until April. That's correct. So it sounds like to me that uncle Bubba's for a while for the next hundred days or so, 120 days is going to have to do some adapting. Well, they get an extra hour. They get an extra hour. Okay. So that'll help a little bit, but, uh, and you know, to be fair, it also it's going to be cold, right? Exactly. For a couple of months, so you might want to be outside anyway. Yeah, so that course. may I don't know what their plans were for outdoor bands in the middle of January. I right. don't remember what they did last year. Oh, uh, last year was COVID. I guess that we we don't really know to be honest. So we'll see how that goes. They they would have had to kind of you know cut back and reschedule as you said, but we'll see what that looks like. But yes, once it gets prettier, that March time frame may be kind of hard for them. And so um, anyway, that's that's kind of where we are. So right now it stays at seventy five. It is bumped to eleven p.m. And until April. Very interesting. I'm mean, again, you know, we'll see how things go. Uh, yeah. Now's not the time to be outside with a band <laughs> by any no. stretch. So that, that kind of is very interesting that, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit, you know, 60, 90, 120 days, uh, review it. So definitely hope everything uh, goes okay, uh, with all the people involved and, uh, we'll see where things look like, uh, in the spring. So, well, Derek, as you mentioned a second ago, part of the Alderman meeting was a vote to allow Chip Johnson to enter into, uh, what we'll call the opioid lawsuit. Tell us about the opioid lawsuit and what we speak of when it comes to that. All right, so DeSoto County and the cities, uh, all the cities that opt to be in, will benefit from a settlement reached between Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch and three opioid distributors, as well as Johnson & Johnson, a leading manufacturer. So there was a, a class action lawsuit that was brought. The settlements, uh, this was years ago, and actually Mississippi, I believe, was the first state to join the lawsuit. Uh, the settlements have now been generated to two multi-billion dollar settlements, one with Cardinal Health, McKisson, and Amerisource Burgeon, and then the other one with Johnson & Johnson. Based on the agreements, the three distributors will pay up to $21 billion over 17 and a half years, and Johnson & Johnson will pay up to $5 billion over nine years to all the states that participated uh, in the class action lawsuit. Now, there's some certain things that they're required to do. I'm not going to kind of get into it, but basically the distributors, I mean, excuse me, the manufacturers will have to prohibit shipping and report suspicious opioid orders. They'll prohibit sales staff from influencing decisions related to identifying suspicious opioid orders, et cetera, et cetera. Johnson & Johnson will have to stop selling opioids for approximately 10 years. So they cannot distribute it for 10 years. Um, they cannot fund or provide grants to third parties for promoting opioids, and then they cannot lobby 
on activities related to opioids. So a lot of you know, some restrictions that come with this, along with them having to pay out billions of dollars. Now, again, as I said, the uh, cities and counties in the state that have qualified to receive funds had until January to decide whether or not to participate in the settlements. Uh, and of course, Hernando decided this past Tuesday, which is before January, if they would, they did decide that they would. Uh, and so because of that, um, this is kind of what the cities who have decided to join so far. Uh, DeSoto County would be eligible to receive 686647 And among the cities, the potential maximum benefits are for Hernando, 135521 uh, Horn Lake, $199,419, Olive Branch, 333693 and South Haven, 476007 So that's kind of what the maximum amounts that would be. Again, it's going to be paid over several years uh, to those cities, and it has to be mainly uh, to go toward the opioid treatment, prevention, and recovery services in those cities and counties. So again, uh, this is something that the, the Hernando did during their Auburn meeting on Tuesday night, but it affects not only us, but the entire state. Thank you to the Board of Aldermen. Thank you to the, the mayor for doing city business, uh, working hard for us on that Tuesday. Look forward to covering the next meeting coming up. Uh, just remember, the meetings are first and third Tuesdays of each month. So it'll be a pre-Christmas meeting, and then they'll take off through uh, until uh, until January. So thank you again to the mayor, Board of Aldermen. Everybody has to be there on Tuesday. Really, really appreciate y'all doing the work of the city. Well, speaking of doing some work, Derek, uh, speaking of loud music, actually, uh, is what we'll, <laughs> we'll, the way we'll transition to this. The uh, We have discussed uh, a couple of times the improvements the different changes the things that are coming up we typically don't cover south haven but it's definitely something that affects hernando people because hernando people uh, love to go to concerts enjoy their free time and that's, let's talk about the bank plus amphitheater the improvements that were finally put together coming up right there up get well in the silo square area what you got yeah so south haven uh, is getting ready to make an expansion and an improvement to the Bank Plus Amphitheater at Snowden Grove. Uh, the plans are going to be about $9.8 million is what's going to be put uh, invested back into the amphitheater. That's going to add nearly 6,000 more seats along with more bathrooms and uh, concessions facilities. There were three bidders that bid to work on bid on this. Murphy & Sons out of South Haven was the winning construction firm at $9,894,039. And so, again, the renovations will increase permanent seating from just under 4,000, so these are the actual seats, to about 9,000, which still leaves a small grassy area. It's going to double the bathroom capacity add new concessions building on the west and south side with new gate entrances, add an air-controlled VIP lounge with interior and exterior seating, add new boxes for group seating, add a commissary for better food and beverage distribution, add a cafe for the artist, add a new merchandise sales canopy near the main entrance, and improves the convenience and security at all of the ticket entrances, including the new ones. So again, this is uh, just a great thing. The $9.8 million is going to give us all this. Uh, you now will be able to have a lot more, uh, you know, about 5,000 less general seating, 5,000 more uh, actual seats where you can have your number, row, all that kind of stuff. The construction is expected to begin in February, so just a couple months from now, and be finished by fall of 22. So for the concert season, starting as early as, you know, by this time next year, you'll have a brand new amphitheater with concerts coming, everything brand new. There, this is the future of uh, entertainment. You know, if, if you were building a football stadium right now, you wouldn't build an 80, 90, 100,000-person uh, football stadium. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, people have, you know, 75-inch screens right there in front of them. High definition are definitely uh, making it more and more difficult for uh, people to go out to ball games and stuff like that. Same example right here. Um, you know, people want to know they're going to have a seat. Uh, they want to be able to go to dinner and have a drink or have drinks before they get to that concert and not have to fight people you know with blankets and lawn chairs and 
you know, hoping to hear a little Dave Matthews. So this is the future of entertainment. So it makes total sense. And South Haven's doing a $10 million uh, renovation to, to improve on that and take advantage of that. Um, again, shout out to Muscle White, shout out to South Haven being so forward thinking, probably long overdue really uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to the amphitheater. But uh, for the next 20 years, man, what a great place to see a, a show for real. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it. Absolutely. Well, let's transition one more thing before we get to some ads, Derek. Give some shout-outs to some local nonprofits. Uh, let's visit a little bit. And we don't talk about it a lot. I mean, you can probably, if you listen to our show long enough, we do not tackle a lot of COVID news. But we thought uh, this might be something that affects a number of different po- podcast listeners and people in this area. The vaccine mandate that the uh, federal government, uh, the Biden administration, uh, put out for the vaccine mandates uh, here to pro- in the private sector um, was voted down. Was voted down recently this week. 52 to 48 in the Senate, Derek. Tell us about what that means. It does mean. So the the vaccine mandate was going to require, starting in January, that private companies with 100 and more employees were going to have to have, you know, basically mandate vaccines for those employees unless they had extremely, you know, uh, health reasons or other such to be able to avoid those vaccines. So, again, 100 or more employees were going to uh, businesses, which affect a lot of us. I mean, that would include FedEx. Uh, it would include uh, my bank and, and several other, you know, obviously, many other companies around this area. Uh, it was voted down. So the Senate does have the ability to, um, you know, take something that was done by executive order and be able to take to strike that down. And so they did strike it down 52 to 48. So there were uh, two Democrats cross party lines and voted with all of the Republicans t- uh, pre- present to repeal that mandate. Uh, both of the Democratic yes votes to repeal it were cast by Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and John Tester of Montana. So those were the two that voted against it to give it the 52 to 48 vote to vote that down. Uh, they do not expect it to be uh, appealed in any way. They do not expect it to go to the House because there's no way, uh, even if you know something were to happen in the House, there's not enough to uh, overturn it back in the Senate. You would have to have two-thirds majority. And so the, the votes are just not there to do it. So uh, it effectively has, has been killed, I guess to say, or it effectively has died. This is a big deal, Derek. I mean, and again, this is going to be the vaccine mandate for employers of 100 plus. That's right, 100 plus. Which your bank is definitely one of those. Yep. Your bank is definitely one of those. I am not. I, I employ 99 people on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. If I get to 99 people, I'm employing 99 people. Um, man, things are going good. I probably won't be doing a podcast anymore uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, interesting news and it affects a lot of people. Man, we've got so many people in the area that work for larger companies. I mean, 100 employees is pretty easy to get to. Uh, if you try. And so, um, you know, again, we're not going to sit here and talk about vaccine this vaccine that yes, do it, don't do it, whatever. That's entirely up to you. That's your your choice. Uh, what this is saying is that the federal government can't tell you as a business owner, what to do. And as a business owner of a couple of different businesses, whoo, man, I love the fact that nobody can tell me how to run my businesses except for me and typically my wife. So, um, you know, <laughs> shout out to that there. So speaking of some wives that probably uh, have maybe an opinion on, you know, the color of the carpet or something like that. <laughs> I joke, I joke, but I am talking about the Soto Family Dental Care. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Drs. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process from beginning to end. 
you can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. As we mentioned in the beginning of the show, Derek will get a chance to experience the DFDC difference tomorrow morning, and you should reach out to them as well. Call them at 429-5239. That's 429-5239. Or visit their office today to see the DFDC difference. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. I'll continue to make jokes about it, mention it. If you have just what seem like millions of leaves in your yard covering up your property and you want somebody to come and help you with those, please consider reaching out to Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs, whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, which is now winter cleanups, anything like that on the outside of your home or business, call Richard, let him come out, take a look. If he can't help you with it, he'll find somebody who can. Give him a call, 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find more information about Richard and his company on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Well, Derek, middle of our Friday show always points us towards the DeSoto County shoutouts. DeSoto County shoutouts are an opportunity for us to mention nonprofits, especially here in Hernando, that are trying to do good things coming up, whether it be in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, maybe the next couple of months. But we really, really appreciate all the nonprofits out there working hard for the children of Hernando or the teachers of Hernando. You name it, we have nonprofits that are helping out in the community. So we really, really appreciate that. Let's turn our attention to our first one for the day. That's going to be Cookies with Santa put on by the Hernando Parks and Rec Department this coming Sunday, December 12th, from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., $3 admission for anyone over 12, free admission for kids under 12, which is sponsored by the Hernando Optimist Club. We really, really appreciate them doing that. This will be at the Gale Center. Everybody knows where the Gale Center is. And some of our sponsors include Mid-South Therapeutic Riding Center, HowToBarbecueRight.com, Center Stage Dance, Stars in Motion, Sharon Yount Insurance, and more sponsors as well. So please go to their website, the Hernando Parks and Rec Department, for more information. But really simple, under 12, free admission, this coming Sunday, December 12th, 2 to 5. Uh, Derek, yeah, I'm going to try to get over there before 2 to 5 if I can. Um, got the opportunity to go to uh, Todd Mastery. He's been on our show before, mm-hmm. the guy who runs the Lander Center. Uh, gonna Got an opportunity to go see the Morgan Wallen concert coming up on Sunday night. Oh, very nice. Yeah, you're going with me. Oh, Emma. Yes, Emma? you're going with me. You're going. You're you're, com- you're going to come with. Okay, you're coming with. Well, uh, the, the two to five sounds good. Hope you get your daughter over there and uh, be able to do that. Uh, my my, unfortunately, my children are too old. They're not going to want to do that. Um, and if they did, I have to pay money for them because they're not under twelve. Yeah, they're not under twelve. Not under twelve. Not so uh, no, I think it'll be a great event, and I do really do appreciate the city doing that. Uh, Matt, that leads us to our next one: the Cruise Santa Caravan. Uh, yep. The next weekend, Saturday, December eighteenth, uh, starting at nine a.m. The Cruise Santa Caravan will leave Longview Point Church at the corner of Mackinville and Bahalia, travel south on Mackinville, and then 
we'll do uh, go through about six neighborhoods, uh, cutting through some others, but actually kind of stopping and visiting and throwing candy in six neighborhoods along the route to thank those neighborhoods for the uh, collecting presents for the families uh, that the crew has adopted this year. So again, next Saturday, uh, December 18th, if you see fire trucks, if you hear police cars going very slow, it's not a funeral. Uh, it's not anything. There's no fires. Hopefully that they're going to. No, this is this is the crew Santa caravan. There'll be sand on the back of the fire truck. The route will be posted by this Saturday, uh, the 11th. Be looking on the crew Facebook page. Uh, I'm actually going to map out the route tomorrow on Google Maps. Be able to take a picture of that, put it out on Facebook so everybody can see the routes, list the approximate times that we should be in each neighborhood, and be able to do that. And then be looking for the signs going out this Sunday. So Sunday, you will see signs that say Santa uh, Santa coming this Saturday and we'll post them along the route uh, beginning all so all that's going to be done this weekend so again be looking for that uh, really excited about this uh, one of our greatest things that we do every year and so that will be uh, take place so uh, you know if you live in those neighborhoods be prepared 9 to 12 next Saturday to see Santa and catch candy uh, if you do not live in those neighborhoods please try to get over there I mean you can find a common area find a spot we would love to be able to just wish you a Merry Christmas and share uh, just the joy and the love of the season uh, by you know letting you see Santa Claus and also be able to uh, you know catch some maybe a little candy for your stocking again that's next saturday the crew of fernando will be uh you know caravaning all through town it's just a really really fun time man i'm hoping the weather's okay as the guy who's uh, in the back of a pickup oof. truck uh you know playing the music as we as we go through town man i'd love 60 fingers and crossed. sunny fingers crossed. fingers crossed for some good weather well derek before we turn our attention to something coming up in the future when it, when it comes to the crew of fernando let's uh let's take a few seconds uh just had an opportunity you and myself and, and four or five other guys had an opportunity to take pictures with dozens of teachers that we were able to uh, award grants to uh, i think the total total was a little bit under fourteen thousand dollars that's right we awarded 30 grants and if you're wondering what I'm talking about, it's a simple grant that the teachers apply for through the Soco, the Soto Economic Council. Uh, every Hernando teacher that applied got a grant, almost $14,000, every single one. So that means every Hernando teacher that applied got a grant. They were taken care of. All the other teachers throughout the county can get taken care of uh, in another way throughout the Soto Economics Council. But just a real honor to do that yesterday. Uh, Derek, your mom's a teacher. My mom's a teacher. So very uh, close to home there. Uh, so to be able to sit there with those women for a few minutes take a quick picture but also say to them thank you very much for what you do uh, i wish we could do it every week but i uh, really really appreciate the support that money was raised from our golf tournament this past summer a lot of information will start to come out that in the spring uh, we will be having that an annual event see if we can raise over twenty thousand uh, dollars next year and again if you it. are a hernando teacher and you listen to our show please consider applying we will absolutely do our best to fund every single one we can so thank you to those teachers our last shout out there let's go ahead and mention again last thing crew of hernando related we will have our annual Mardi Gras ball coming up Saturday, February 26th. Saturday, February 26th. If you enjoy, uh, let's just say if you enjoy having a good time. Yes. If you enjoy having a good time, if you like getting all dressed up and going, we're going to be at the gym Saturday, February 26th. Tickets will go on sale the first 10 days of January. So start to look for that. Crew of Hernando, K-R-E-W-E of Hernando Facebook page. We'll have all that information. We really, really appreciate the past support. We appreciate the support going forward. Uh, we have surpassed over a half million dollars uh, given away, and that's all because of the city of Fernando supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, Matt, true. We're really looking forward to it. We did have to cancel it this past February, so really looking forward to get back into that. Tickets will go on sale around the first or second week of January. So you'll be seeing the artwork hit sometime just after Christmas, and then the tickets go on sale about the first or second week of January. And as you know, sold out the last two years we've had it, so just make sure that you get your tickets early, and we'll be announcing all that once it happens. 
Well, Derek, somebody who's uh, always supported and definitely bought tickets and been a supporter of the crew of Fernando is Mr. Sam Lauderdale with Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local State Farm provider. They are located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and longtime local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, auto, business, and home. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find more information about them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. The secret is out. North Point Christian is DeSoto County's most popular private school destination. They had their last open house just this past Tuesday night. It was very well attended. Many families showed up uh, with you know two or three uh, members of the uh, children in each family to come and to see all that North Point has to offer in the arts, uh, in education, uh, and in athletics. The next North Point open house will be Sunday, January 9th at 2 p.m. Again, Sunday. January 9th at 2 p.m. They encourage prospective families to come and see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Interested families should reserve their spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. They invite you to get ready to make the switch and join the North Point family. I want to continue to recognize our newest advertiser, Mobile Car and Van Rentals. Mobile Car and Van Rentals located at the corner of Commerce and McCracken right here in Hernando. Mobile has late model cars, pickup trucks, and passenger vans. If you're looking to take your family uh, on a you know Christmas trip or New Year's trip, there we actually just booked a uh, van yesterday going to the Sugar Bowl. So a four-day trip right there. The family's going down for the Sugar Bowl. Enjoy that. We definitely uh, would love to help any of the uh, Ole Miss fans or Mississippi State fans that want to travel for bowl season. Look us up vans, cars, trucks. Give Megan, our manager, a call. 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Please consider not going to the airport, going into Memphis, anything like that to operate with some of the larger companies. We'll give it a shot here in Hernando and do the absolute best we can. Mobile, car, and van rental. Derek, before we talk about our soccer and basketball coverage, uh, tell us about a signing. Young person getting the opportunity to move on, have their college paid for, and continue their career. What you got? Man, I believe we talked about this for uh, this athlete for maybe one signing uh, before or, or mentioned that he was committed to sign before. But uh, Hogan Payne from Lewisburg signed with uh, Itawama Community College for two sports. He signed for both soccer and golf. Congratulations to this dual sport athlete on both signings, both, again, for soccer and and for golf with Etiwamba Community College. I think that's the first time we've ever had somebody sign for two sports that we've talked about. Congratulations to Hogan on doing that. I mean, uh, you know, if you can go out there and do it for two sports, I mean, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, my man. That's what, that's <laughs> one way to do it for sure. Congratulations for him, uh, no doubt. Well, Derek, let's talk about soccer. Again, I'll say it every week. North Point, Trojans, girls play in the fall, boys play in the spring, no soccer coming out of North Point. Tell me about the soccer that happened with the Lewisburg Patriots this week. We'll start with the Lewisburg girls. Now, both Patriots varsity soccer teams travel to Saltillo this past Tuesday, hoping for a sweep. In the girls' game, the Lady Patriots took a 1-0 lead into halftime break and came out in the second half and scored two more goals while keeping a clean sheet. The final score, Lewisburg 3 and Saltillo nil. The next match will be senior night at home for the Lady Patriots against 
rival Olive Branch. That is tonight. So tonight, Thursday night, senior night uh, at home against Olive Branch. Next, the Lewisburg boys. The boys' uh, game was a much closer match, with the Patriots jumping out to a 1-0 lead against Saltillo with 15 minutes left in the first half. Saltillo answered with a, with 17:15 left in the second half and then took a 2-1 lead with less than 10 minutes to play. Lewisburg evened the match before the end of regular time and after extra time had to go to PKs to determine the outcome. In PKs, Saltillo was able to stop two of the Patriots' kicks and win the match 4-3 in those PKs. The two regular time goals for the Patriots were scored by Christian McDermott and Braxton Sharp. And again, their next match will be again tonight against Olive Branch at Mission in the girls' game. When you say tonight, you mean Friday night or Thursday night? Uh, Thursday night. So tonight, because uh, we're taping this on Thursday, it will be tonight, senior night for Lewisburg girls and boys. Well, Derek, that was pretty detailed uh, information for the uh, – Hey, look, uh, Twitter soccer. is – Great. So if you have Twitter, again, uh, it's, the Lewisburg does a great job, especially they have like a – they put out a weekly thing for their basketball team too that gives the stats, the record, wow, the scores. Great. So it makes it really easy on me. So, yes, tweet at UTW Podcast, at UTW Pod, to be able to send those to me. I would love to get, mention all the names, when the, when the times were scored, anything you can do like that. I do read them every time. If you at me, I absolutely do get them and go through them. So this is the best way to make sure that your athletes are heard on the podcast. Derek, it was a little chilly on Tuesday night, so uh, I did not make it out for the uh, <laughs> girls and boys uh, games, uh, soccer games, uh, when it comes to Horn Lake. So let me just give you a quick rundown on those two games, okay? Uh, well, I've got I've got uh, oh. some information on the girls, but you go ahead with the boys if you want to because uh, nope. you go ahead with the girls, Hernando I'll, girls, give it to yeah, Hernando girls. Do it all again. Great job with the Twitter. We do appreciate you uh, adding <laughs> UTW Pod. The it's tig- amazing how you can tweet out when you win. I know, I know. <laughs> the Tigers notched their first district win with a six nil blanking of the Horn Lake Eagles this week. Goals were scored by Macy Riggs, Isabella Powers, Liv Norris and Kendall Moore, who had a hat trick. Assists were by Lillian McDonald, Delaney Hopkins, and Isabella Powers. Catherine Bush, the goalie for the Tigers, had a clean sheet on the night. It was a great opening win at the district for the Tigers, and they will now travel to face Saltillo Saturday, where both JV and varsity teams will play matches. Now, Matt, I'll turn it to you for the Hernando boys. Hernando boys on Tuesday night played against the Horn Lake Eagles. Uh, it was a 2 0 victory, 2 zip victory for the Horn Lake Eagles, and that is it. <laughs> I watched the last 20 this, I watched, this detailed uh, I know, report given to you. I watched that, the correct? last 15 minutes uh, or so from my, my truck. So, um, you know. You know, got to create some offense. Uh, I know they're working on it. They're working as hard as they can. Coach Clark and the Tigers working hard every day to, to improve and get better. Uh, play a big match this coming Saturday against Saltillo. You just mentioned them. Uh, we'll be in uh, Hernando. So if you're looking for if the weather's decent, which I don't know if it's going to be on Saturday morning, uh, it's going to be JV. It's going to be varsity, yep. girls and boys coming up this Saturday uh, there at the uh, Hernando Football Stadium. So uh, if you're looking for a little bit of entertainment, uh, the guy in the uh, booth is awesome. Oh god! The guy in the booth, the guy that plays the music. I'll do my Sounds best. Sounds like you know him. No, I do. I do. I know him well. Well, actually, it's the place to be if it's cold or rainy. Is in the uh, press box. But uh, you know, the the crazy thing about that is the, what the kids want to hear uh, is. And I, I know I'm a 43 year old guy dating myself because my parents <laughs> did not like my music either. Uh, man, everything's just so it, it's tough to play. Oh, it's, it's really even the clean play. versions. Oh man, everything are on TikTok. Tough to play. You know, my daughter, son will pull up TikTok a 15 or 10 or 15 second clip. 
you're going to hear two or three words that you wish you did not hear. And it's like, wait, 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 what are we doing? Like, just no. Yeah, there's no songs that you could just safely play at this oh, time. Oh, it's, it's something else, man. It really, really is. So don't, just if you don't have an opportunity to go listen to your kid's Spotify, I want you to go listen to it. And also don't want you to go listen to it all at the same time. <laughs> so, well, let's turn our attention to something on the hardcore, Derek. Let's talk about basketball for the North Point Trojans, Lady uh, Lewisburg Patriots, and Lady Patriots, and Hernando Tigers. Talk to us about North Point Trojans of Get Well. Okay, and just a reminder, the Tigers do not play. They have not had a game uh, since last Friday. They play tomorrow night, Friday night. Uh, so they did not have a midweek game this week. So there's nothing for the Hernando Tigers. So we will start with the North Point girls. North Point had their first taste of district on Tuesday, welcoming the ECS Lady Eagles to the Trojan gym. The Trojans jumped out to a 15 to nothing lead and led 37 to 17 at halftime. That margin slowly increased throughout the third and the fourth quarters, and North Point cruised to a 69 to 39 victory. North Point is now 6 and 0 overall and 1 and 0 in district. North Point was led by Briley Faith Cherry with 26 points, Bethany Wright with 23 points, and Isabella Carlson with 13 points. They next play tonight in Frazier versus Memphis Business Academy. Matt, this is one of the reasons I'm having to yeah, do the sure. podcast early because I do have to travel tonight there, then a couple of things early tomorrow morning. The next, again, tonight, Frazier and Frazier tonight against Memphis Business Academy. The, the North Point boys and girls will be traveling up there. Eye-opening experience for the North Point Trojans to travel It's, it's going to be a tough home environment. Okay, tough home environment. Uh, next, Hopefully the, North- the JV girls game gets over before Well, no, before JV dark. not playing, just varsity only. Varsity oh, only. Oh, and she doesn't play a lot, so you got to go up there and – Okay. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching her lovely hold down that bench. Right. Hold down the bench. Hold and the as bench. soon as the whistle blows, you clapping. grab your daughter and you haul butt to the car. A lot of clapping. Probably, will, probably will not be staying for the boys. No, 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 no. Sorry. Good luck, uh, boys. <laughs> the North Point boys, they started off strong this past Tuesday and had a lead going into halftime against the Eagles. North Point led 49-42 to going into the fourth quarter, but missed opportunities and turnovers saw the Eagles battle back and get the 61-55 to victory. North Point drops to 4-2 and two overall and 0-1 in district. They were led by Christian Gilliland with 22 points, Darius Naylor, who unfortunately fouled out, which did cause some of the problems, with 17, and Chris Gilliland with 9. And as mentioned, they do travel to Memphis Business Academy tonight. Coming down Getwell, uh, going over a little bit to the east, uh, the Lewisburg girls. The both Patriot teams traveled to Oxford uh, on Tuesday to face the Chargers, and the Lady Patriots were able to bounce back from their loss to Hernando last week to leave Oxford with a 46-36 win. This pulls uh, Lewisburg back to 500 on the season at 6-6, six and six, and the Lady Patriots were led by Allie Carroll, who had a game-high 24 points. The Lewisburg boys were also looking for that bounce back win against the Chargers, but they trailed going into halftime 33 to 24. They were able to narrow the gap to 44 to 40 heading into the fourth quarter, but would get no closer as the Chargers pull away for a 65 to 51 victory. The boys fall to eight and four on the year. Noah Jurgensen led the team with 13 points, and Joe Nelson had 12 points. Both teams will now host Lake Cormorant tomorrow night on Friday. Good luck to them uh, hosting the uh, cross-county rival, Lake Cormorant. And uh, just a reminder, as, as Derek said moments ago, the Hernando Tigers have not had a game since we covered them last uh, last Friday. So they will be playing tonight, recording on Thursday. So we will update those games uh, this coming Tuesday. So we really, really appreciate you letting us uh, you know, record on Thursday for our Friday show. We'll get it out to you really early on Friday morning and hope you guys uh, definitely enjoy it. Look, if you enjoy what you hear each and every week on the UTW Podcast and would like to advertise with us, please email us under the water 
underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. That's underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. So we can send over an advertising packet. We've got three-month, six-month, and annual opportunities to advertise with us. We really, really appreciate all of our sponsors, and we appreciate the continued growth here in Hernando. If you enjoy what you hear, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. Instagram, UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. Wherever you can hear our voice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Simply helps us move up when it comes to local podcasts. Really, really appreciate a five-star review. If you enjoy the UTW Podcast, look for OB Pod. Simply stands for Isle of Branch. They cover the eastern side of DeSoto County. Release a once-a-week show, early part of Monday morning, and they cover Isle of Branch, Lewisburg, and Center Hill when it comes to athletics. So please consider looking up OB Pod. As we do on our Friday show, want to encourage everyone to attend church this weekend. Take your family to church. Look up the service times of uh, maybe a church that you pass by all the time, a place you've been invited to. Look on their Facebook page. Look on their website. Look for service times. We really, really want to encourage people to do that. Derek, we'll take this opportunity to invite everyone that can hear our voice invites you to the Hernando United Methodist Church Christmas Cantata, which will take place December 19th, Sunday, December 19th at 8.45 and 11. Again, that's 8.45 and 11 on Sunday, December 19th. We typically don't do that, but we definitely want to invite you. I mean, you know, Christmas time is when uh, the record crowds come out to church, Mm -hmm. Christmas and Easter. Uh, You can make jokes about that if you want to. We really, really want to encourage people to come to the Hernando United Methodist Church Christmas Cantata next Sunday, December 19th, 8.45 a.m. and 11 o'clock. We really, really look forward to that. Will Brown and the team there uh, with HUMC working so hard. So we really, really appreciate that. Well, Derek, good luck in Frazier. want to wish you good luck on that. And if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. Busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air there's a feeling of Christmas. People passing